The following is a conversation with KBEK's Rockin' Robin Riley with Mora High School Principal Brent Nelson right here on Q Media's On Demand. Good morning, Brian. Good morning. I appreciate you stopping in, so to speak, virtually over the phone with us anyway. And another beautiful day in Minnesota. It is definitely a Minnesota day. <laughs> you know, well, I'll tell you what, though. I just, I was reading through this morning, uh, the Star Tribune, actually, and they had an article about Duluth yesterday. Did you hear up north how much snow they, they ended up having on the North Shore? They closed schools yesterday. Uh, yeah, it was pretty, I had to actually, I had, I had to take a trip to Carleton and back, and uh, I got up to Moose Lake, and I was like, oh, wow. Yep. Oh. And the farther north I got, the more plowable it got. And it was like, oh, my gosh, those poor people, what a mess. It was crazy uh, yesterday. It's, it's horrible to try and clean that stuff up when the ground is unthawed the way it is. Right. And so it's that wet, heavy snow. We all know this time of year, that's the kind we get. And they said they yep. had um, eight inches in two harbors, six inches in Duluth. And this, just one more quick stat, because I know this has nothing to do with what you and I need to talk about today. But they say the snowiest month on record in Duluth was April of 2013. That month, 50.8 inches of snow fell on the city. And in second place was November 1991. Of course, that was, you know, we had the whole Halloween blizzard that year. Yeah, but 50.1 inches fell in uh, at that time period in Duluth. So, but April, just think that April of 2013, 50.8 inches in Duluth. So... I don't think we can complain too much in the scheme of things. No, and I I saw some statistics somewhere online, I suppose. uh, Maybe it was on TV, but um, just about April, April tends to be snowy. Mm -hmm. And we think of it as not being snowy, but uh, more often than not, we get snow in April. Um, So it is what it is. And it it (laughs) is important, really. I know I've said it so many times, but... You know, we can grumble because we really do want to get to nicer weather. But again, after the drought last year and the important snow has nitrogen, from what I understand, and that's a huge help with with crops and gardens and lawns and all the above. So there's good things that happen in snow. It's just that obviously many of us would like to get out our lawn furniture and get get on with it, so to speak. Yeah, it would be great to be out grilling and, and all those fun things especially before the mosquitoes arrive um <laughs> but uh you're you're exactly right we we do need some moisture to catch up from some of the, the drought conditions that we had over the past year and things are awfully dry they were awfully dry so it would it would help to get some of those potholes filled up and well the rivers and everything our, yeah yeah so the, i mean the, the the river the snake is up um at the tops of its banks and and that's a good thing. Um, it's not flooding over the top, so that's a good thing, too. Um, right, right. But it's, it's good to see that that water's flowing. Yeah, it's doing what it needs to do. And kind of leads us to talking a little bit. I, I follow Facebook, of course, because I have a couple pages I need to keep track of myself. And I noticed the Canaba County Sheriff's Office has been good to share some information about the Severe Weather Awareness Week that started actually Monday, and it goes through tomorrow. And there's been different things they've passed along. And today, I understand, Brian, um, many municipalities will be running their tornado siren equipment today. And this happens a couple times, I guess. 145 and 645 is what, what I think I read on Facebook. 
Yeah, that sounds correct. And uh, yeah, we we do that every year, and just to get people in the uh, the awareness mode that um, severe weather can happen anytime now. And uh, even though we're having snow, uh, it wouldn't be unlike Minnesota to turn around and we have tornadoes next week. So mm-hmm. um, that's uh, we're definitely in that season, and they've already had some down south. You know, they they get a lot more down in the southern states, you mm-hmm. know, Texas, Oklahoma, and that band down there uh, definitely get a lot more tornadoes than we get, but well, we do need to be aware of them and, you know, have your alert systems. However, you know, if you're within range of a siren uh, in the, like more in Ogilvy, or uh, if, if you get them, those alerts also come over our, our code red emergency notification system if you're signed up for that, so... Can you another g- way you can get those same info. And that's what I was going to say. Maybe that's not a bad idea just to throw that out there. Um, I know I've been to the Kanabic County site many times, and you can click on the sheriff's uh, section of that, and it'll tell you there's a page that tells you how to get signed up for Code Red. And I know folks with still hardline phones, many of them are called anyway. That's kind of set up for them. But if you have a cell phone, you need to kind of get that set up. Am I right, Brian? That's correct. So if you if you want to get notifications on the cell phone, you need to sign up and register um, that that number um, with Cold Red, and then you can also get emails if you prefer. Okay. I know if you don't want it coming through text or whatever, um, you can do an email version, and of course that would go wherever your email is, wherever you get those. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of options there, and you can sign up for as many or as few as you want. So there's right. a lot of flexibility there. And I know the Code Red also covers things um, besides bad weather. There's other, it would be basically if if something needed to be passed along to the citizens, yeah. It right? Yeah. It covers several yeah. different designations, I understand. Yes, yeah. So in any emergency type notification or even non-emergency notification, any public notification that we would we would put out for about anything you can think of, um, that's that's the primary um, way we would do that. And I mean, if we had a well, we had a tanker truck tip over in Ogilvy uh, a few years back, and uh, there was um, concern that you know the contents. If there was a spill, you know, it obviously had a, a nasty chemical in it, and if there was a spill, there was a potential for it to react with water and cause a cloud and. Um, so we had to take a bunch of extra precautions, and we can actually go in and draw a deal fence of whatever the, the hazmat recommendations would be for an area of evacuation, and we could draw a geo fence, and then everywhere in that geo fence would get those notifications um, out faster than we can do it by going door to door. Sure. And I, I'm assuming what you mean by geo fence is just people within that area that would be affected. Yeah, so it would okay. go to the the people that would be affected and wouldn't go out to the entire county. Gotcha. Okay. Um, because somebody that's not going to be affected, they probably wouldn't want those notifications. Right, right. Um, because, you know, we get too many notifications, and then we kind of become a little um, dulled by the, the emergencies because they're always going off, and then it's no longer an emergency and people don't pay attention. Right, absolutely. So we, we try and limit them, limit them to as you know, really necessary and then necessary for a particular area. Sure. 
it really is a good idea. Nowadays, you know, with cell phones especially, it isn't something that is done unless you as the person with the cell phone follow through on it. Like I say, the hardline phone right. still, I know my buddy Toby, he has a hardline phone, and when the weather has been bad in the middle of the night or whatever the time frame, he'll get a phone call and it's a pre-recorded message. It says, you know, this weather, in this case, you know, weather has been found, this is an issue, be aware of that. So I say, like I say, he gets it, but you have to be proactive if you have a cell phone and that's your only means of communication. You want to make sure that you sign up. So again, Code Red, you can go to the Connecticut County website and uh, just click on the sheriff section there. And and it's really uh, pretty easy to do once you get there. Good information to have. So, Brian, I had yeah. a question. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, dear. Well, the the thing with the notifications yeah. too. If you're if you're gone and you're you know you're somewhere, let's say you went to Florida for a vacation, just some sunshine, mm-hmm. um, and there was an emergency notification at your home here, you would still get that notification even though you're away. Good so to know, though. It, yeah, good to know because then you could you know have your your residents checked on or whatever you need checked on um, by somebody. So, yeah, yeah, it's kind of nice. It's really a good way to go, and we, we haven't talked about that in a while, so I'm glad it's just kind of a good segue talking about the severe weather awareness to kind of pull that all together so people are aware of that. So good information. Check that out. The other thing I was going to just touch on with you today, um, and actually Dennis Norby here at my work, he's an insurance guy, so he helps people with auto and home and all that different kind of thing and we had talking about driver's licenses and making sure that it's taken care of it came up for him having to do with an insurance situation the person had not updated their address and they hadn't gotten their new driver's license and there was kind of a to-do there but he said would you ask brian kind of how that works as far as how many days they have and how important that is to get your driver's license updated when you move yeah so if you move you're you're required to change your address on your license within 30 days so you got 30 days to change your your driver's license and i don't know lately we've at the office we've been running into a number of uh, folks that are long past that 30 days and for whatever reason um they're they're not changing their address and and I don't know. The, the reasons probably vary, but mm-hmm. um, uh, you are required to do to change those within 30 days um, to your to your new address, and it could affect some of your insurance stuff. And you know possibilities for that. I know uh, in my office we've run into a few where they've been applying for permits to carry, and uh, we will not issue a permit to carry unless you have your your address has to match your carry permit sure. address. Mm-hmm. Um, so they've had to go change their change their driver's license to match up their address on their on their permit. And I know too, at least, and I, I should double check on this before I say this, but I had the understanding from Dennis that if they, with a driver's license, for example, if they send it out and that isn't your right, you don't have the right address or whatever. Uh, it will be sent back. It's not something that they forward. Let's say that you've moved and, you know, you assume that all your first-class mail is going to be forwarded. The junk mail, of course, is not. But that's something that typically is sent back. Now, I'm not absolutely sure on that, but that's something he said. I'm not sure on that. That would be a postal question. And that it is. Um, that's why I'm saying I'm not. But it, yeah, it, it, if, you, if you've done a, a change of address 
through the post office, you know, you might. You'd like to think it would be forwarded, but he, at least in his case, he was saying that that something. So don't quote quote me on any of that, but it still bodes well that there's, I didn't, I thought it was a 60 day deal, but you have 30 days. So when you're moving, get that driver's license updated. Really make that a top priority, I would say. I'm trying to look that up quick to make sure okay. that's exactly right. Yeah, because I again sure I don't want to lead lead anybody. Yeah, in the thirty days instead of sixty. But either way, it's obvious important to get your driver's license updated. There's just certain things when you move that are especially important, and that's one of them. And I know too, if you buy a vehicle from somebody else, let's say, um, you want to get that you know get in and get your your title information taken care of, and get that done in a timely fashion as well. I've known many situations where they just never go in and get that done. And so let's say somebody gets in a car accident, something happens, and it'll come back to the person who sold the car. It's like, well, no, I sold that car, you know, X amount of time ago. Right. So that's right. another thing. Get, get it taken care of. Right. So some of the, some of the responsibility uh, is placed on the, on the vehicle owner, right, um, to make sure that transfer is done, and and we recommend that uh, rather than just signing off, signing away the title and sending them on their way, um, that you actually go to uh, a DMV office and transfer the title in person. That way, you know it's, it's out of your name, right. And it's important because, like I say, it can come back and haunt you if something. It uh, can, and it makes you know it makes. Uh, makes life a little more difficult when things like that happen and i we just ran into we ran into one here a week ago and uh vehicle was left out on the road and uh turns out uh um we were able to track down the the, the original owner was deceased and <clears throat> there was an issue with the title and the, the person that um basically was the next of the kin, they got the vehicle. You know, they they had gotten rid of it so that it would be scrapped um, because the vehicle was in such poor condition. Okay, it wasn't worth chasing after a title. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and there was it was a little complex, but regardless, it ended up out on the road, and somebody else was driving it, and they were giving the the um, officers some song and dance about oh how they were gonna they were in the process of getting this title. Well, turns out that. There, that process was not even going to work, um, so there probably was no process, <laughs> and uh, that vehicle should never been on the road. Sure. It causes a lot of people for you know gets in a wreck and there's no insurance on it. Right, and the title right. doesn't come back to the person that was actually using it, and it just causes a lot of grief um, for for people that it shouldn't. So again, um, another good reason. Just hence the reason. Hence the yep. reason for the law. Right, absolutely, to get that stuff done. See, one more thing before I let you go today, Brian. And now this was a story I just was going to share. So last Saturday, Fred and I were heading to the cities, three-year-old granddaughter having a birthday party. We're driving down 65, or excuse me, 35, going the speed limit, 70 miles an hour. And Fred said to me, he said, Robin, just, he said, get ready. Wait till you see how fast this Durango or whatever it was is coming. This guy came by us. You know, we were in the slower lane. Just flew by. He said, he's got to be going. And that's what Fred said. He's got to be going 85 easily. So, and we both discussed it. It's so funny because we both said, man, this is, you know, I said, right now, Brian and I just talked about it. 
state troopers and others, they're, they're doing a crackdown on this stuff. And this is the kind of guy that needs to be caught. He was way over the speed limit. So sure enough, you'll love this. So all of a sudden, we see a trooper on the other lane. So we're heading south. He's heading north. And I don't know why I had it in my head. I didn't know if they can figure out that somebody's going that fast, if they have the equipment to be able to do that. I always feel like they have to be stationary with a gun out the window kind of thing, you know, the the speed gun. And uh, Fred said, oh, no, no, you just wait and see. Sure enough, Fred said he went up, he did the turn thing where he could. He said he's coming after him. And sure enough, when we got down the road so far, here was that car pulled over, and we both just kind of a little bit of a chuckle because this guy needed to be nailed. I mean, he was way over the speed limit. And so they can spot those vehicles. That's what I wanted to have you just mention real quick here. It doesn't matter. Don't think they have to be sitting somewhere. They can. They must have equipment in their vehicles to be able to realize when somebody's over the limit, correct? Well, yeah, so the, the radars, the radars in our our squads um they point forwards backwards they're so sophisticated now they can pinpoint um like on multiple lanes of traffic they actually make specific radars that are designed to run four lane traffic and they can they can pick up all four lanes all at the same time there you go okay and uh so it's it's pretty sophisticated stuff Especially compared to what we had when I started, mm-hmm. um, and if you're well trained and well versed in the use of them, you, you know and there's still that that part of it too. Um, but you know which ones are are going, and and you know somebody that's going 85 and everybody else is going 60, that's pretty easy to pick out. Definitely. Um, well, this guy and, he, he and could the have radar been. will pick that out also, and between the operator and the the radar. Um, they're gonna they're gonna make a stop on that car, and it's gonna be quite clear that they were the ones that was that were doing the eighty five or whatever the number is on the radar. Mm-hmm. And they've, there's other. I mean, they've got there's laser laser radars. They call them lidars. Um, those things are incredibly accurate. Um, it's a little different operation, um, and it tends to be something that's used on interstates. And, and big four-lane freeways okay. um, because they are so accurate. Um, and then there's they also have uh, uh, state patrol operates aircraft, and some of their role is to go out and um, help with speed enforcement, and they can do that from the air. Okay. Hmm. So a lot, <laughs> lots of different options there, and yes, it is it is a focus right now because of the high increase in traffic deaths this past year and a half, two years. And uh, a lot of that has been attributed to high speeds. And they are going after people. They are. They're trying to, there's too many lives have been lost because of it. And this was, that's why I, exactly. And I just, that's why I wanted to bring up, this was kind of a case in point when this guy went by us and what was, again kind of neat is that sometimes you see those situations and you wish somebody was around in this case boom i mean it was just it just all panned out and sure enough they had him pulled over and i'm sure a pretty hefty fine in that case as well so they're out there doing what they need to do when you get 20 30 miles an hour over the speed limit um those fines are pretty yes they are pretty hefty and and um you get up 30 and up um there can be 
um, aggravated fines there also and actually gets you out of a petty misdemeanor into an actual misdemeanor, which is a jailable offense. Okay. Good for people to know. And they will be out, and this enforcement will continue into the summer. So it's not a one-week deal, right. two-week deal. This is this is happening, and it's an important thing. Yeah, it's, it's going to be, it's going to continue until it, it stops mm-hmm. and it gets back to a, a more normal level. Mm-hmm. Um, so be aware. <laughs> That's what yeah. I'm saying. Be aware. Yeah, just, just, yeah, just slow down. Slow please. down. It's really that simple. Yeah. Well, Brian, and, you know, and it's, you know, I, I've heard the excuse, wow, you know, my car is whatever, and it can, it can go that fast and it handles great and yada, yada. And, and it's not really about that. No, it's it, not it's about the differences in speeds. So mm-hmm. when you got a majority of your traffic traveling at the speed limit and you get somebody else traveling 30 miles an hour over the speed limit, people don't expect that. And that's when bad things happen because you come up on people too fast, you come up on intersections too fast, and most people do not anticipate that. And they're used to people driving the speed limit or closely to that. And they make their their judgments as to when they pull out from an intersection or pull out the pass. And when somebody's going 30 miles an hour faster than everybody else, bad things happen. Definitely. And when they happen at that kind of speed, um, we that's where we end up with our fatalities and serious injury accidents. And that's why they have the rules of the road. That's why we do what we that do. That is correct. For sure. Yep. Well, my dear, only because I know it's getting up on that time, and I know i got to let you get to work here, my dear. you got to get that cup of coffee poured, put it into the tumbler, and head out the door. So I will say to you, thank you so much for all the info today, and you and I will rendezvous next week. One last thing. Yes, dear. I did confirm it is 30 days. It is 30 days on the... 30 days to change your address on, on your license once you've moved to a different domicile. Good to know, because that was one of the things. I didn't know if it was 60 or 30 days, but it's important. Again, if you're moving, make sure that's a priority. So, Madea, thank you so much, and we'll catch up next week. You've been listening to a Q Media Group production.